Hi, I'm Sophia. And I am Prerak. And this is Red, White, and Brown, a podcast where we talk about the joys and struggles of being Desi immigrants. So today, we are going to talk about a very fun topic, which is the environment and sustainability. But as always, we're going to be discussing this topic from the lens of being Desi immigrants. So Sophia, I know you have a specific interest in this topic, so why don't you tell us why this topic is so important, especially right now in the middle of uh, COVID-19. Yeah, I mean, so over the last year or two, I feel like we have just seen a rapidly increasing number of natural disasters, right? Floods, forest fires, hurricanes, droughts, like all that. We have seen some of the most devastating disasters in our lifetimes. And that's what climate change is, right, Pirak? It's a pattern of more extreme weather. And I don't think anyone listening can deny that the natural disasters we have been seeing are getting more extreme. And this is like a scary problem. So we have to talk about it. We can't just talk about like Bollywood and fun stuff all the time and not talk about the important things. So We can talk about Bollywood and the crazy stuff too. Yes, we can talk about both, <laughs> but we can't ignore the crazy stuff. Okay. All right. That's fair. So, um, you know, you bringing up a lot of important stuff. Wasn't there an announcement by the United Nations recently? I, I've been having t- a tough time following up with all of this because of COVID-19, but I feel like the UN said something about some crazy things that are going to happen to the world and we're going to probably all die soon. <laughs> yeah, that's basically right. I mean, I think <laughs> in, in 2019, the UN General Assembly speaker said that we have, um, they said 11 years to prevent irreversible damage from climate change. So that's 11 years from 2019, so 2030. So Nine years from now. Yeah, like irreversible damage. That, like I am reading that as like the generations after us are in trouble if we don't turn things around. I mean, the good part, uh, if any, about this pandemic is it has shown us that we as humans are not immortal. And Mm -hmm. I feel like before COVID, we were living as if we were. And then this little tiny virus brought us all down to our little ankles and showed us just how susceptible we are, right? And so with that being said, I think the fact that, you know, the environment is getting damaged and that it's a huge national priority, let's talk about it. But let's talk about it from the Desi lens. What does it mean to be environmentally conscious? Sophia, you're going to teach me that. You're going to teach me um, about the fact that do Desi people even think about this stuff? And if they don't, how can we get them to do that? Um, so why don't we start there? Like, Sophia, do you think Desis care about sustainability? Do they even know what that means? Like, if I asked my dad, would he know? Um, and how would you go about answering this question? Yeah. Um, so I guess we should probably talk about Daisy's in uh, the global West since that's where, you know, we're living. And that's so you're talking of... the U.S., Canada and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I can talk about that. I think I've done a little bit of digging and it kind of seems like the general timeline of like sustainability and environmental awareness in the U.S. like started in the post-war period. So like in the 1940s, mm-hmm. I think Americans in general have like they started talking about the environment and like that became something that was part of the public discourse as like a movement and a political topic. Got it. Um, so like there was, you know, the Federal Water Pollution Control Act, stuff like that. Which that, was about controlling water pollution. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Got it. And that was passed in like the late 1940s. There have been political lobbies that have fought to like, you know, protect wildlife or combat air pollution, things like that. And so I think for a long time though, Prerak, like these topics were things that they were like headlines in the newspapers 
but I don't know. Obviously, I mean, I wasn't born then, but I don't know if it felt like super urgent or if, you know, the average family was like participating in those discussions. It was definitely like something that in the political world was a big deal. Um, and but it, like if you open the newspaper on a Sunday morning as a middle class family, they're not going to be like, oh, we're going to act on this. You know, there's yeah, going to be I like, don't cool. know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I see what you mean. So 1940s, that's like World War one or two something like that but okay yeah. no world war two world war two yeah but like i imagine america and the world in general at that time had a lot on their plate but it's cool to know that that's when this whole um you know insight started but sophia what about like they see american immigrants where do they yeah. fall into this so i definitely think the question becomes a little bit more complex because as an immigrant, I think your main concern is usually like survival <laughs> and, you know, meeting your basic needs. And like the question that you're asking me is like, are they see immigrants thinking about the environment and sustainability? And I think that, yeah, the the main concern is survival. And then worrying about like your ca- your family's carbon emissions is that kind of is secondary right (laughs) um it's like dude i can't have carbon emissions if i don't have a car exactly i can produce those carbon emissions exactly exactly i mean i think in the last like five or ten years with social media it has been easier for environmental movements to reach like you know millennial and gen z they see americans who you know maybe they didn't grow up in a household that talked about the environment all the time um but now they are kind of looped into those movements so i think it's more common for younger they see americans to now be exposed to discussions on sustainability than like 20 or 30 years ago oh for sure but i'm gonna push back and say that i don't think that's because people today care more i Mm -hmm. think it's more of a function of the life situation they're in. They see Americans 30 years ago were probably the first ones to come to this country, right? Like chances are they were probably first generation and they were trying to survive. So maybe that's why. Oh yeah, they I totally yeah, chance. I think I think we agree on that yeah. actually. And so and then so then Gen Z and Gen X and all of these uh, millennials, they can focus a bit more because chances are they're probably not first gen, maybe they're second gen, yeah. third gen. They they've already had a lot of these basic needs taken care of. So now they can actually say like, okay, this is the big deal here. Let's focus on environment now that I don't have to make um, or even get a home, you know, something like that. So under this theory, um, it seems like the older generations may not have been aware or as aware of what it means to be sustainable. But here's the real question, Sophia. Just because you're not as aware of what it means to be sustainable, does that mean that you yourself are not acting sustainably? That is a really great distinction. And I think that older generations of Daisies who like, you know, had just come to the States, for example, in the 70s or 80s, um, I think they probably actually were more sustainable because they were consuming less and reusing more. Because they couldn't afford to use more. Exactly, exactly. Like, there are so many memes about it, right? Like, the meme that we posted recently about, like, you opened this, like, tin of cookies and it turns out that instead of (laughs) cookies inside there's like a thread and needles and like it's a sewing kit (laughs) or you know we all have like a plastic bag at home that's filled with a million more plastic bags yes we do Um, oh my god how do you know (laughs) yeah i mean i feel like every desi household has that and it's just like there's so much reusing and recycling that desi parents do and i think that's so great and like so i definitely think that 
older generations were pretty sustainable and like the other piece of that is that nowadays we consume so much more than like those initial immigrant generations did I think like now you can just go to H&M and buy a t-shirt for five dollars and so the rise of I think fast fashion really means that people today are buying much more than generations past. So it's an interesting paradox. And I think that question I asked before fits perfectly because I asked you just because they were not as aware of being sustainable didn't necessarily mean that they were not that sustainable themselves. Because they were trying to survive, they actually had to focus on buying things and reusing them as opposed to buying an H&M $5 shirt and saying like, yo, mm-hmm. dude, I'm going to throw this away. I can buy another one next week because exactly. I'm, I'm set. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Gen Zer, you know? So um, no no hate to Gen Zers, by the way. I'm, <laughs> I'm literally just showing the, the thought process. So, I mean, I can tell you for a fact, when I first came to the States, we went to Las Vegas one time. And it was like the vacation that we would have once every like five years, right? And they were handing out mugs at every hotel, like little jugs of mugs that you can use to drink coffee. This was when I was six. I still have those mugs. Like my mom still has those mugs at home because that's the mode we were in, dude. We, We got a mug from every hotel and then used them for the next 10, 12 years because we're like, yo, dude, this is free stuff. We need to survive. <laughs> so yeah. um, it's a big deal. I mean, it's we were pretty sustainable back then. Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of goes to show how immigrants who are just settling in are not consuming at high levels and like- Because they can't afford to. Yeah, and I think in general, people of lower socioeconomic status are not, con- like they're not consuming as much just because financially the only option is to reuse things. And like that said, I think today Gen Z and like, you know, the TikTok generation. That's what they're called, the TikTok generation. (laughs) No, I think I just made that up. The TikTok (laughs) generation. It seems to be more open to like having a discussion about sustainability. And that might be what is different from 20 or 30 years ago, where now it's like, you know, it's considered cool to thrift and shop vintage and, you know, things like that. And there's just more discourse about it, I think. The discourse I can agree with. In fact, um, I was walking around Manhattan today, like the little 20-year-old I am, cool 20-year-old. I actually saw this shop. It's called Just Salad. Um, I've never seen this shop before. But they actually started labeling their foods based on the amount of CO2 emissions the food lets out. And I had never seen that before, but they were using that as a marketing scheme, as like showing like, look at how cool we are. We show you that all of our food is like locally sourced. Uh, and I just thought that was really cool because it like clearly shows that it's becoming hip to become environmentally friendly these days. Yeah, I had no idea that Just Salad started doing that, but it really goes to show exactly what you said. Like young people are starting to care more and more about these topics and companies are trying to appeal to them because of it. And I think social media has also had a huge hand in spreading awareness among the younger generations about sustainability. And I think that's part of the reason that we are seeing the changes like the one that you just mentioned. And I think it comes from like the bottom bottom or top down because i think even venture capital and different funds are funding companies that are going to be more sustainable because they think that they will be more um they're more appealing to consumers yeah i think the other thing i'm going to say which this reminds me of is that we are now seeing so much greenwashing and that's basically brands like trying to portray themselves as more eco-friendly than they really are like oh, okay the big i didn't e- know that that's yeah yeah like the big example is fast fashion um just trying to use marketing to like convince people that their products are actually eco-friendly when in reality the entire fast fashion model is like built on unsustainability what, what is fast fashion exactly is that just like stuff you can buy and throw away or something um it's like a lot of the shops like 
it's a lot of the shops like Zara and H&M and stuff. Like that's kind of what comes to mind. Like these shops that are bringing clothes to people at a pretty affordable price. price, But then the quality is like not that great. Oh, I get it. Like fast food. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Okay, Exactly. So wait, Parekh, I'm going to actually, let me play one of your favorite people talking about this concept. Ooh, okay. The problem with these clothing lines is that so many of the green claims they make are meaningless. And they do that by having words that have no set definition, like green, eco-friendly, ethical, responsibly made, in the most meaningless of them all. H&M is, is doing different things to contribute to a, a more sustainable fashion industry. We take environmental sustainability very seriously. The whole company is receiving training in some ways uh, to do with sustainability. Sustainability. Everybody should be sustainable now. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody should be sustainable now. But sustainable has no legal definition. It's like when businesses talk about synergy or when Subway talks about meat. They use ambiguity to sell you the feeling of responsibility. Look at these mid-rise chinos. Now Zara says it makes these in a way that reduces water consumption in the dyeing process. But the dyeing process only uses 1% of all the water used to make those pants. Take this faux leather coat. Zara claims it's made with the most sustainably produced polyurethane. But how do you sustainably produce clothes made out of oil? It's like having a fair trade blood diamond. It doesn't make any sense. Ah, dude, my best friend, main man, Hassan, always breaking it down. Um, so I, I'm glad he did this. He's, he has a knack for taking very complex issues like the one you just described and and demonstrating their importance in a, like a very subtle and innovative way. I totally agree. Um, I think, okay, based on everything we've just talked about, do you feel like Desi's in the global West care more or less about the environment than our counterparts back home? And obviously that's like such a broad question, but like I just want to kind of get your thoughts on what you're initially thinking. So I think this is a tough question to answer, and I think the general answer is yes and no, because I know back home, like in the subcontinent, the urban cities, like both in India and Pakistan, there are very large recycling campaigns, and the knowledge of their existence is increasing. And so because of that, they're doing quite a good job. However, if you go outside of that region and you look at other cities, that's where recycling facilities are not as prevalent. But here's the problem, right? Those areas are often also where people are engaging in more sustainable practices. Um, But there is like a pretty big market gap there that needs to be addressed because there is waste building up. Um, About 62 million tons of solid waste is generated in India every year. And by 2030, this figure is expected to triple to nearly like 165 million. And by 2045, it's going to reach 450 million. So clearly, it's like a huge problem. And I think the US is doing a little bit better, obviously. But I think as India starts realizing this is becoming a problem, um, and even Pakistan, hopefully they're going to start making uh, actions uh, to to address this. Yeah, I mean, I guess I definitely do believe that, that like infrastructurally, the US is like, a little bit better equipped to handle waste management. Um, But that said, like, are there efforts to try and stop the the buildup of 
waste and like pollution and stuff. So um, in India specifically, I know that they're, they're setting up a ban on like six single use plastics. So single use plastics are essentially what they sound like. Those things okay. you use once and throw away. Uh, and so they're banning them. They're trying to ban them and it's going to go into effect in October. And the goal is to limit plastic scraps by 2022. So it's kind of interesting because you see this big problem. And now when the government gets involved, which it is in India now, it just goes to show you like, oh, crap, this is big enough that we actually have to make sure we address it before 2030 and then ultimately 2045. So I'm hoping um, this this action by uh, Modi in India is going to it's going to have a big impact. That is so interesting. I mean, yeah, plastic is a massive issue. That actually kind of reminds me. Um, there's this blogger that I follow. Her name is Afshan Nasarishi. We'll link her in the description. Yes. She spoke about something which I think is relevant. I don't want to butcher this, but basically she shared along the line, like something along the lines of how a long time ago, saris and like clothing in India used to be made with cotton and silk and like these sort of organic fibers. But then once plastics were introduced and like became more commonplace, um, polyester and like materials that use synthetic fibers became more popular. And Mm -hmm. like it began to be seen as this thing where like people thought young women look better in polyester saris and like saris made with these synthetic materials because the fabric was thinner Mm -hmm. and like maybe it was easier to drape or like because the material was thinner, it gave like a more slimming slimming effect. Yeah, thinner. And so... You know, because with the sari, you're like wrapping the material around you, right? So it kind of makes sense that if the material itself is thinner, it's going to give a slimming effect. And so Mm -hmm. like that was one thing. And then the other thing was I think like higher socioeconomic status classes began favoring synthetic materials. Of course. um, Just because it was marketed as like, oh, these synthetic materials are better. They're higher class. But the crazy part is that... They're not. Yeah, exactly. Like (laughs) organic fibers, obviously you know, last longer, they're more durable, they're easier to wash. And like, they really are the better investment. And in reality, they are probably truly like the higher class thing. Like they're the more expensive thing to produce. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. Um, and, and they're better for the environment. And they're the better quality. Yeah. And they're much better for the environment. So, I mean, the marketing would have had you believe otherwise. Of course. That's like half of the problem, marketing. Absolutely. Absolutely. But Afshan's handle is um, at Life's for Living. And so she creates great content. So definitely check her out if you haven't already. Um, and that's great. We'll link that, obviously. But Sophia, we always like to end the episodes with some big takeaways. And we want to have a call to action, especially for this episode. So if I'm a listener and I'm a noob and I'm like, okay, cool, plastic's bad. <laughs> How do you summarize the current situation? And I guess after that, maybe we can talk a bit about, you know, what are some steps we can all take to help out? Yeah, I mean, I think there's no easy answer here, but I I do think it's clear that like the countries that are contributing to high levels of carbon emissions and whatnot are definitely more so in like the West developed countries. I don't even know if that's like politically correct to say anymore. It's fine. But I like, don't think we're politically you know, correct. Especially when you look at it per capita, right? Like mm-hmm. we are producing more carbon emissions and more waste than our counterparts back home. Oh, for sure. And at the same time, it also sounds like, you know, second gen Desis in the West are like having more of a conversation about the human impact on the environment and that might not be happening to the same degree in the subcontinent only because like there is probably less of a human impact over there to begin with yeah um and you know i don't know if you're gonna find a restaurant in bombay that like 
has a menu that shares carbon emissions like just salad that you just mentioned oh, no, here, that's not right? Possible. It's not at that point yet. Well, so then why do you think that is? Like what? It's it's probably not that they care less back home because I I just don't think that's true, but like is it a socioeconomic thing? Is it social media thing? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's it's probably a combination of everything, right? I mean, I kind of just mentioned, I don't think that per capita, the impact of, you know, the human contribution to environmental change is as high in like developing countries as in developed countries. Like we just consume so much more over we do. here. We do. That like, it's our fault, right? It's not like the people who are like living in a village in the subcontinent. <laughs> um, they're not contributing as much as like those of us who are going shopping every week at like these fast fashion places. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing is like in the media, I don't know how much coverage there is back home. Like I cannot think of any major Bollywood movies that have really touched on the issue of like, human role in like climate climate change. change or just environmental change like yes there are movies that talk about natural disasters and like droughts and floods and things like that but nothing that educates the public about how big of an issue climate change is and the fact that we humans are like contributing to it i mean absolutely we usually try to play clips from movies that reflect our points and honestly when we were doing the research for this show nothing came up that could (laughs) substantiate the points we were making so it kind of just goes to show that bollywood and more broadly just the um industry in general is kind of lagging behind in india and pakistan so i mean that's where things like this podcast come in right because this is hopefully one of the first things out there in this space where we can talk about this challenge and how we can ultimately attack it so sophia what are some things that our listeners can do to have an impact and i know this is super cheesy because it's like what can we all do to change the world (laughs) but like with COVID, I think we've started to see the impact that, you know, every one of us doing something can have, whether that's in vaccinations, putting on masks, distancing. So let's try to do the same for the environment. So what tips do you have? Well, it's so funny that you're asking me for tips as if I'm some sort of expert on this. Like, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, look, I think the majority of emissions and, you know, pollution and whatnot are coming from companies and factories, not Mm. individual people, right? I do think it is the job of government to take steps to curb emissions. Um, I I think that voting in all elections, local and national, is really important. And, you know, as much as I don't like the idea of single-issue voting, I think that environmental policy should be one of the top things that we consider when voting just because if we don't have an inhabitable planet we're all gonna die yeah like nothing else really matters at that (laughs) point so i think that's really important yeah yeah and i think the problem is um this is a little bit in the future right and it's tough to visualize stuff in the future but like the problem is it's happening already gradually so um I think the other thing we need to have is maybe Bollywood should be talking about this because I think Bollywood ends up becoming a big forefront runner to set the stage in in India and Pakistan as well. Absolutely. I mean, I also think, you know, we should definitely think about our level of consumption. And so like buying fewer new things and like taking care of the things we have, um, which is something that, you know, generations before us definitely did more of. And like, I have been trying not to shop fast fashion all this year and it's been really good because I know that like when I buy something it's really good quality and it's not going to fall apart like the clothing from some of the fast fashion shops and like or I'm buying something that has been pre-loved and so I think that's great like 
that's an easy step that a lot of us can take if you know if we have access to like shopping vintage and whatnot Mm -hmm. um and just just buying less i mean i think or even secondhand exactly yeah yeah that's that's what i mean um i guess pre-loved is just a euphemism for secondhand oh i was like Um, what is (laughs) pre-loved um but but yeah i think also just taking care of our things like you know people used to get their shoes like resold things like that like, Prerok, have you ever been to a cobbler to get your shoes resold? Like, probably not. Dude, what is... I don't even know what a cobbler is. So, yeah, I don't... I think that makes your point more than anything else I could have said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I think taking care of the things that we have so that we can consume less. And um, I also feel like there has been some stigma against, like, buying secondhand and stuff. But it is the most sustainable thing we can do. And I love that Gen Z is, like kind the, of changing the TikTok things. generation yeah the tiktok generation is like <laughs> making that more like acceptable and quote-unquote cool yeah. um and then the other thing is like we have made so much fun of like you know things that older generations have done like the memes that i mentioned earlier but reusing things is like definitely something to be proud of and i think it's you know that mentality just has to shift towards that a little bit honestly it reminds me of when i used to take a lunchbox to school every day in elementary school and i felt so sustainable and now I find myself using like way more plastic, but maybe I need to go back and uh, and and do better because I think I was more sustainable earlier on in my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're definitely reaching the point where it's um, I think probably important to prioritize like sustainability over convenience a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but yeah, hopefully more you know people in like the middle class who like have the access to reusables reusable yeah like i think hopefully people who have the means to kind of start to prioritize sustainability okay so tldr vote think about climate change use reusable things when possible and don't buy pre-loved or no you buy pre-loved yes (laughs) secondhand clothing everyone right that that about sums it up right sophia yeah i think consume less and (laughs) do good yeah (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that seems very trite for such a, you know, complex issue. But, you know, we all have to take steps in our own life where we can. So if you guys enjoyed this and want us to continue making this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Um, Five stars only. Don't be stingy. And share with friends. Um, You guys can follow us on Insta at Red White Brown Pod. And we will see you guys next time. Bye.